and welcome to ECE Quality Ireland. I'm Celine Govern. And I'm Paula Walsh. And on our podcast today, we're delighted to be joined by Gillian Powell. And Gillian is an author of a series of books um, to do with the outdoors and nature and children in early years. She's also um, an, a lecturer in Dundalk Institute of Technology and various other, other, other roles. So thank you so much for joining us today, Gillian. So maybe you might start just by giving us a little bit of of background into your journey into the early years because I believe you didn't start off in early years you were in no. a different uh, on a different road earlier on in your career. Good good afternoon Paula and lovely to be with you Celine. Yes that's right I grew up in Lismore in County Waterford and I grew up on a farm and always had a really deep connection with nature but I, and I also love literature. And I was thinking about that before I came on today, how connected that is to my, to my work in early years. And what a wonderful experience I had. In the primary school I was in was really rural and um, a lady used to come in and take us on nature walks. And when I look back, that and reading were the two things that really lit up my brain actually in, in education and I continued on I, I did a degree in English and geography in UCC and had a fantastic interest in debating and all of that but I, I became a secondary school teacher and then I moved to Bandon and married my husband Tom who actually was a widower and had three kids so I was an English teacher and the hours for a high quality English teacher you know you're going off doing debating and drama, etc. So I felt that for family reasons, essentially, I started preschool. We had a big old house with a big old garden and there was an old store beside it and I converted that and started a very small preschool there originally, which grew and grew. And, um, you know, it, it was a wonderful life. When I look back before the paperwork and all of that. And uh, I suppose I would be always, when I did the higher diploma in education, curriculum design was my strong point. So I'd have always been really interested in how children learn, what's the best way to connect with different learning types and uh, very aware of that and my connection with nature. And that's, I had great freedom in that, in that whole curriculum. You know, there wasn't someone telling you, well, you have to do, a, B and C on Monday and whatever. So I think I really am attracted to freedom of thought and freedom of thought for the children right here. And I am absolutely passionate. And I was thinking about that before I came on today, since I was a very young child about the connection to nature. And I know in the ups and downs of my particular life, you know, like everyone else listening, um, you know, the losses and whatever, that that connection to nature has consoled me. You know, I think if that's the one thing that, that has driven me, I, I really feel a strong sense of purpose. Everybody talks about the sense of purpose, but I really believe that, that I have two senses of purposes now. One is to promote a connection with nature for children, for the well-being of the children. We have an incredible, incredible, like, problem with anxiety and mental health in young people in our society and I feel the answer lies in nature for all of us we also mm -hmm. my other thing then is promoting women in the early years because when I, on my early years journey I met the most amazing people you know setting up preschools in every corner of Ireland in every particular circumstance doing it for what the equivalent of in the olden days the egg bunny as it were you know uh, yeah. subsidiary income 
But that's changed now. You know, it's when I ended up in my preschool and, you know, it, it was a really big one and I was doing 90 hour weeks and I just kind of felt, you know, my husband was a principal of a pretty large Dutch primary school and he had this wonderful gold plated pension and I was working just as hard as him without the supports of a secretary or whatever. And I just felt, well, look, I might as well be running Apple computers here. I'm doing equally complex work. I have friends who are in very high management positions. And I'm saying, you know, there comes a point when you feel I can't do this anymore. You know, I cannot do this for what I'm paid. I cannot do this. I can't. Then staffing was an issue. So I, I took the road, but I hung on to the thing, you know, my purpose in life, as I, as I say, is to recognize and honor the women working in the sector and to promote a connection for nature with children. And I wrote the books, Tribes Over Lockdown, Tribe Autumn, Winter, Summer and Spring. And, um, you know, really to promote early years practitioners who are very much doing that anyway, working outside, uh, providing enriching learning experiences outside like Celine does you know on her Instagram page like you're everybody in the sector is doing that now yeah Yeah. and I'm just you know yeah everything that you say just resonates and it sounds to me almost like you know way back in the day when you were had your beautiful um, service as you say in your big old garden you were ahead of the time because at that time, you know, we were at the point where you got 20 minutes a day outside if you were lucky, you know? So my question to you is, what what is your image of a really high quality outdoor environment? What does it look like in a, you know, in a practical sense? Well, I think in a practical sense, that's a really good question. In a practical sense, it's got everything that you would have indoors. You have easy access to it. Now, that it doesn't have to be huge. It's wonderful if it is. Like I feel, I, I got very inspired by the author Richard Louvre and Florence Williams. She wrote The Nature Fix, but she says, you know, children find nature everywhere. So even if you have a tiny urban garden, you can put your sandbox out there. You can put your reading corner out there. You can make the sky, if you literally have just a skylight, you can make the sky the connection with nature. I think the important thing is to connect with nature yourself as a means of happiness and inquiry and curiosity and children will pick up on that you know you you've been in in settings when a snail has come in or maybe there's i mean they're still talking about the day in in, in my husband's school which is an urban school that a little field mouse ran in and half the school ran after it you know you know if there's a little spider comes down the curiosity yeah. children have, the connection they have to living creatures. And that's documented in research now very much that maybe the anxiety and mental well-being issues we have isn't a, a, a human loneliness, but it's a loneliness, it's a species loneliness. And that, that by connecting with the, the, the rest of the world, the ecosystem, and like we're on a, I think it's the bookend of sustainability and the green thing because we will not protect what we don't love. And we have tons of people growing up that are never brought outside. I mean, I walk the streets of Banda now and it's the same 20% of people you see outside with their children all the time. It's the same. So there's a large proportion of people who never, ever go outside or they feel it's a big deal that they have to climb Mount Everest. So I think that'd be the other vision. 
it doesn't have to be a big deal. Yes, you do have to put on protective clothing because the weather doesn't always play ball and you do have to support people. You know, people get cold and whatever. But I think it's easy. It involves every single aspect of development, cognitive, emotional, social. You know, it's very child-led. But that doesn't mean that the teacher has no input. It isn't just, what it, what it definitely is not, is just leave the kids out and they run around crazy. You, it's about engagement out there as in every place else. Now, they do need to run crazy sometimes and get out that mm -hmm. steep. Mm -hmm. But I think every single thing that you have indoors, you can easily provide it outdoors, maybe not in the mm -hmm. same way, which you certainly can. And that's a rich learning environment for children. They'll make their own of it, you know. Yeah. And actually yeah. something you said there just really resonated a conversation I had with one of my own learners who's doing um she was doing a creative arts module level five with me there recently. And she was talking about she lives in an urban area. She lives in an apartment complex. She doesn't even have a balcony. So she's no outdoor space at her home. And she was talking about how, you know, I was talking to her about creative arts in the outdoors, bringing it outdoors, because I used to manage an outdoor setting in Carlo. So I'm big advocate of the outdoors too and just when you said there you know you were talking about the skylight you know that they're just or, or even just something coming into you like the spider or whatever it may be or a butterfly flying in the window that you know I think sometimes like a barrier barriers to outdoor play and outdoor learning can be put up but like when you break it down like that you know if a spider comes in you know it doesn't mean that we have to be in the outdoors sometimes to appreciate the outdoors and that can kick off a whole learning you know phase I, or, I think you that's know. the thing I think that's the that's the really important thing now planners and they are increasingly becoming aware of that I mean there is an issue that you, uh, that certain levels of society don't have access to outdoor spaces but we're so lucky in Ireland because that's actually not the case for the majority of population. Like in Dublin, even in the centre of Dublin, there's access to beautiful parks. It's the Phoenix Park is a walk away at the at the worst, you know. Uh, so you're very near the countryside. And I think Ireland's probably missed a trick there thus far. Not in the earlier sector, luckily. But like, for example, in Scotland, they have an outdoor curriculum for excellence. And my son is teaching over there now and primary teacher and his um, wife as well. But they actually link citizenship to a sense of the landscape. And I think that in Ireland, you know, we've such division in terms of on the island of Ireland, in terms of urban, rural, religions, whatever. But I think we have a, you know, we've such an amazing landscape and we have such access to it in public places that if we turn that education system around to, as you say, make everyone aware of their connection to it as part of their citizenship, we can do it in every way, even, even the sky above us, literally. And I mean, there's beautiful projects you can do on the sun, the clouds. I follow a fantastic Twitter account called A Daily Cloud, and I'd advise anyone to follow it because the cloud pictures come in from all over the world and people have drawn little pictures on it but that's an ideal little project that early years could do with parents you know they could send in cloud pictures that look like different things it yeah. gets people like there's an open door to the uh, to a connection with nature in ireland and the more we as early years educators develop that in children the more it'll feed through to primary schools 
which is definitely you know they're mm -hmm. they're trying to go there but that that yeah, curriculum yeah. is still very off balance in terms of holistic development and of a connection to nature yeah. you know yeah completely so then yeah no everything that you're saying is just so honest and so true and then it links us with your love of nature and your absolute you know fundamental understanding that nature is linked to well-being you know and yeah. so then I want to just and I agree obviously and I want to link that into your books then so your books are called Thrive and they are absolutely beautiful um for anybody who doesn't have them look them up they are beautiful so but tell me a little bit about them who are your books aimed at Gillian and what do you hope that those people who who look at your books and use your books gain from them well they're aimed at early years practitioners early years educators of all types of course but also at parents so basically they're divided amongst the seasons and i think sometimes i heard from parents and from early years educators you know when i get the kids outside what do i do so i divided them along i suppose essentially the lines of the astra curriculum there's exploring and thinking there's well-being a well-being section there's all sorts of um uh you know child friendly play ideas for outdoors but they're linked into the curriculum and moving the dial as well um, and i've linked them to literature i i keep coming back to that and i suppose that's my background as an english teacher and the love i had for that and that i do know that language and literature is the secret to all education you know that and a connection to nature if you have those two things so there's a section on you know lots of ideas linked to literature and also maths i think that's the other thing you know that people think you can't learn those kind of things outdoors. You know, it's great for running around, it's great for healthy and fit, but it's also where real learning can take place across the whole curriculum. And I'm not talking about learning ABCs or because I don't really believe in that. I'm talking about developing an inquiring mind. Like, yeah. you know, how big do you think that is? How much big, you know, it's about putting it into everyday context and and conversation so that children don't go in and feel maths you know i haven't a clue what bigger means i yes. don't know what quantity means i don't know what how i don't know how to think mathematically because nature is totally you know there's hundreds of opportunities there we only have to go back to when the apple dropped on the the philosopher's head who was it again and um, you know you can have your aha moment so really the books are aimed at people who like to go outside but maybe they don't know what to do when they get there when they get there it's a curriculum kind of support for anyone working in the early years just oh i haven't got an autumn idea well look at my book and it'll fire off something and as well i have an instagram account as you do yourself celine and also all of the ideas are very cheap they're using natural materials because i know people don't have the money and you know, to be buying things. And I wish they wouldn't because a lot of the time people buy plastic and sticky things, you know, for example, for Halloween. I never used any of those. And my school was, a it was all natural things with leaves and pumpkins and wonderful stuff, you know. And I think even that small movement in the early years would save a large part of the planet, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So it's using a lot of recyclable materials as well. That sounds fantastic. And just can I ask you then, you know, just linking into that as well, 
when we look at practitioner training then in our level six, seven, eight courses, do you think that there's more we could do there to, you know, bridge that gap of practitioners maybe not knowing what to do when they get to the outdoors? I mean, I know myself, I know I did. There was a module when I was in college, you know, about um, about outdoors, but I think it was bunged in with school age. And, you know, is there enough focus on it in practitioner training, you know, and, and if not, how can we address that? I mean, I'm thinking, you know, should we should we have, you know, practitioners actually out in the outdoors as part of the training? I think you know? two things have happened that are problematic. One is the whole notion of being a qualified forest school teacher. I think that's you don't need that if you're, you know, if you, the outdoor, I think it's wonderful if you do have that and this wonderful concept. I'm not knocking that in any way, but I think it's a barrier to some people. They feel they have to be as fit as someone climbing Mount, as Darvill O'Rourke or Sonia Sullivan and that everybody can do this. And you, you just have to be you and to have to have the connection. The other thing is the paperwork, you know, I think colleges feel such a pressure to ensure that people are competent with the intellectual aspects of understanding curriculum and understanding the regulations and being knowledgeable about all of the new policies and the change has been quite overwhelming there. So there, there are two things. And of course, then the other thing is the leaving cert and the whole focus on left brain thinking in the Western world and the whole focus on that academia is the way to go. I think we have to rebalance that for much longer periods in children's lives. I think when we look back on this, we will regret that we didn't give children more opportunities to play. I mean, I'm a great follower of Joanna Fortune, who's on the Sean Moncrief show, and she came to the Roof by the Sky convention last year. And the understanding now that we have of the critical importance of playing in the early years and how nature play gives children that sense of resilience and all of the things you need and how th that if you don't put those opportunities to play, there's a big price to be paid for it essentially in the teenage years and later as an adult. I think we have to balance, we have to look at that in the universities down. I think universities are trying their very much, their very best. And I mean, all of my colleagues you know, that I know in the in that um, area of work, they're very aware of the importance of outdoor play and they try to bring it into all modules, but they're fairly up against it in terms of facility, limited facilities. And, but there's awareness now, you know, a lot of colleges have outdoor areas and there's training in that, but there's nothing to beat training in the on the ground in services that provide which there are in Ireland amazing outdoor experiences like your own one in Carlo. Um yeah I think you're absolutely right and like yourself Gillian I I am a secondary school teacher and you know we're only back now at the beginning of the year and um there is no doubt that we are seeing um you know issues around anxiety children's mental health um, their well-being and there's no doubt that when those children are anxious and we have a school dog and we go out and we do a couple of laps of the school and we go with the dog that everything calms for them do you know what I mean there's absolutely no doubt so my question my last but this is my last question for you Gillian is what are the barriers as you see it to outdoor play 
I think facilities obviously help, but I think it's in the mind, really. You know, there are no barriers is the answer to that. You start small and build on it and yeah. see, you know, get get some training. You don't need to be, you don't need to have a PhD in that. Just get out there and do the things you like. Look at the thing, look at, you know, take, let it be child-led. The children will guide you if you trust them. They'll say, I want to learn about that. What's that about? You know, how did yeah. that get there? I did yeah. a whole yeah. master's project on a swallow flying. There was a swallow flew over our school and the kids asked, where did that come from? You know, that opened up a whole project on migration. So I, I think there are no barriers except in people's minds. But obviously we would, we would always be looking for more money, more areas, you know, planning to ensure that schools have large outdoor areas. Yeah, and actually that was something I was going to ask you. You know, we obviously have, um, you know, early childhood settings didn't always need an outdoor space. They do, thankfully, now under the regulations. But do you think there should be like a minimum space requirement? There is for the indoors per child. Do you know what I mean? At a very minimum. I, I think ideally, but at least access out there is the important thing. I think mm. when we look back, I mean, I visit primary schools for some training as well. And you see these beautiful grounds and the children are in a box yeah. on the yeah. grounds. So I think the more the primary schools and secondary schools and universities realize the importance of nature and the importance of nature developing the whole child, that will feed into everyone seeing it as being critical in the early years too. Yeah, I'd love to see myself now, you know, if there was much more um, requirements in the out in the outdoors that even if the small space moving away from the rubber matting and the plastic playhouses, that maybe there was much more stringent guidelines around that being much more natural. And um, so just like to maximize that sort of link with nature out in the outdoors, regardless of the size of the space, you know, I think that would be really, really great to see. Um, absolutely absolutely you know the more we do it the more it'll happen and the more children will benefit from it in every possible way but in the most important way that matters in the world for their future happiness and health yeah and the final question I'm going to just wrap up with is that we ask everybody is if you could change one thing um, in relation to early years um, in whatever area of it that you wish what would it be? Well, I'll, I'll say I'll give every school a garden, you know, an outdoor space, a natural outdoor space with at least one tree. And I, of course, money, it's money, money, money does make a difference in education. There's no such thing as a cheap education and or a piecemeal one. And every cent, as we all know, spent in the early years goes to have huge repercussions down the road. Brilliant. That's great, Gillian. Um, for anybody who missed the start, just to remind you that our guest today was Gillian Powell, who is author of the wonderful series of Thrive Books um, on outdoor nature and play for children um, and um, lecture in early years education. Um, Gillian, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Gillian. That was wonderful. Lovely to chat to you again. Lovely, lovely meeting you and keep up the fantastic work.